The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast. One of the host's favorite Texan of all time is Arian Foster. Adopt, don't shop. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. And I am joined, speaking of the Texans, by our wonderful Texans reporter, DJ Bienname. Hello. Welcome to the podcast for the first time. Thank you for having me. I've listened to it a bunch of times, all the time. So I'm glad to be on. Uh, should be a lot of fun, especially as we're going to talk about the AFC South. Um, I know you're a big Jags uh, fan. I'm not a fan, but believer. Uh, I have some. Believer. I have some skepticism, but. Oh, you know. wow. <laughs> Off the top rope, Jags fans are going to be. They're, they're not the biggest fan base, but they're passionate. I just love them a lot. Um, that'll be good. That'll be a good. Because we like it when a division doesn't have a clear favorite, or at least when not everybody involved believes it's a clear favorite. And I think, like, you know, we're going to get to, obviously, like, expectations for these teams. They're all in sort of different phases. Two starting rookie quarterbacks, which makes it really interesting, makes the preseason really interesting. Um, And then I think with the Titans and the trade for Hopkins, I'm glad we waited until now to do the AFC South because I really think that's a massive like, it's funny, like, DeAndre Hopkins, if he had joined a team like, I don't know, the Bills or something, it would be big, but it wouldn't be as important as it is for him, important to the team, rather. Um, I think him joining the Titans does change expectations a bit for the season and also tells us kind of how they view their own expectations this season. Um, so, yeah, I I, I'm, I enjoyed going through this division. I think... Um, I still think the Jags are the favorite <laughs> spoiler alert, but <laughs> I, I'm like, I, well, I, you know, I'm really, I can say, honestly, I am excited to watch the Texans and I cannot, it's been a minute, DJ. It has been <laughs> a minute. Cause you started covering the team last year, I think. Correct. Right? So yeah, which was, I imagine not the most exciting experience, but now it's really, it's really exciting. And I'm actually part of the reason I'm really glad to have you on in particular um, is because I think with the Texans, uh, because it's so much unknown, especially with the new coaching staff on both sides of the football, I actually feel like it's really important for me to talk to you, who's on the ground, who's seeing what the offense looks like, who's seeing what the defense looks like, who's seeing what all these rookies look like, because it's not like, an, I, you know, I can't watch tape of C.J. Stroud <laughs> and Bobby Sloak's offense. So let's right. start there. C.J. Stroud, Bobby Sloak's offense. Um, what have you seen this summer? What are your expectations for what that offense will look like? It comes, of course, from San Francisco. And how has Stroud looked operating it? Yeah, let's start with Stroud. I think early on, it wasn't looking too hot, in all honesty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, to start out, Davis Mills had, like, a very slight edge. But it wasn't like Davis was playing way above his skis. It was just like Davis was hitting his exact benchmark that he always hits. Hmm. And it was just CJ having to adjust to the speed of the NFL, the speed of NFL defenses, and quite frankly, adjusting to the fact that he no longer had Marvin Harrison Jr., Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, JSN. So like that was also an adjustment and part of the fact that he was entering an offense where it's so, I know we say the cliche, you know, offense at timing base, but this one is very timing based. You have to throw a lot of passes, kind of, I don't want to use the word blindly, but have a lot of faith that your offensive coordinator, That's, Bobby Slowick, 
is setting you up to succeed, you know? So San Francisco, that's, a, that's that's the offense. Get the ball out on time. It's going to be there. You're going to get yards after the catch. Exactly. So that took a little bit of adjustment. But starting since I want to say last Tuesday slash Wednesday, he's looked really good. I can't lie. Like once they, you know, fourth day of pads, I don't know what switch for him, but the ball is coming out a lot faster. He's pushing the ball down the field within the structure of the offense. You see all the arm talent. Um, and the most important thing for me is he's getting the ball out on the majority of his throws under three seconds. Like the Saturday practice, which was a night practice, he had 25 throws, six on seven on seven, 19 throughout team, and about two of them where it took longer than three seconds. There's one play where I could see he's really starting to get it where he ran play action and there's a little bit, there was some pressure around him. Like it was a muddy pocket. He stepped up instead of trying to force the ball down the field, he threw it to his check down. And on top of that, you know, it was like live game situation where they were actually keeping track of, you know, first down, second down, third down. So that was second and 10. He gets it down to Devin Singletary. Devin gets eight yards. Now it's third and two. He fires an out route to John Mechie. The, um, the drive is continuing. And you've seen that growth continue. And then today, um, Tuesday, he was making some dimes. There was one pass to John Mechie. I won. I think it was a flood concept where, you know, you had the out route that was about 15 yards. And he threw it only where John Mechie could get it mm-hmm. out over the outstretched arm of uh, uh, Desmond King. So you're starting to see a lot of the progression with C.J. Stroud. And, like, now I have some legitimate confidence that, he should not look like an abject disaster as a rookie. <laughs> I mean, he's got a beautiful arm. Like, he had a beautiful arm in college. This is, you know, my favorite quality of his as a prospect was his accuracy, the touch with which he throws with. So all mm-hmm. that makes sense. But I, but to me, if I'm a Texans fan, it's so encouraging to hear you say he's getting the ball out quickly because that was actually what I was going to voice as – I think my biggest question about Stroud in this offense, because so many of the things he did in college, you know, when he was drafted by the Texans, my first thought was like, okay, assuming this offense looks somewhat like it did in San Francisco. And we can talk a little bit more about that. um, It makes sense. He's accurate. He's a distributor. He's smart ball. He can throw over the middle of the field. Um, One thing I, I remember, I pulled this up to the draft and I just brought it back. Um, on designed rollouts, mm-hmm. he had a QBR of 92 in college. Good we God. know this offense asks quarterbacks to boot out and throw the ball. All of that, I was like, great. However, took a long time to throw the football in college. Nearly three mm. seconds time mm. to pass, which was, I think, pretty close to the top. Now, some of that is Ohio State's offense, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that's something we've seen with uh, quarterbacks coming from there over the last uh, few years or so. But, you know... I, that, that's something I kind of wanted to see. Okay, like, you know, can he get the ball out quickly? Because that is an important part of running that offense well. So it's very good to hear that. I think I do want to, like, though, ask you, like, in terms of more specifics, like, how San Francisco-ish does it all look? Like, is he under center? Is it a zone running game? How much boot is there? And when I say San Francisco-ish, I'm really talking about, like, pr- like 2001, 2020 San Francisco-ish because the Niners offense – has evolved into this own crazy thing, but like how much does it remind you of watching, you know, the Kyle Shanahan offense of the last few years? Yeah. I, I, it reminds me a little bit of it because you see a lot of play action boots. You see a lot of understanding stuff. Like you'll get some shotgun stuff, but you see a lot of motion. That's one thing that you've seen a lot. 
the Texans last year did not run motion that much at all. So that's been an adjust. That's been a, a refreshing sight to see them actually, you know, uh, use motion. You see a lot of zone. I mean, their bread and butter is going to be zone. They're not uh, inside zone, outside zone. They're not going to run. I don't know how much power they're going to run or how many counters they're going to run at least year one. But I know for a fact, like their bread and butter. I've had a coach tell me like our bread and butter is going to be zone running schemes and. Damian Pierce has been a guy that has flashed a lot. And, I mean, obviously, you know, he had a really good rookie season last year. And I think it's only going to get better because, again, last year, they weren't really – they're super predictable in terms of what they were doing offensively. And Damian Pierce was still able to thrive in that situation. So, you've seen, again, you've seen outside zone. You've seen some inside zone. You see some um, play action, boot passes. You see, even obviously, you've seen some read options. But I hope they throw that out the playbook. Because, like, that's not really CJ's bag, <laughs> in all honesty. But, um, it's a big question, yeah. right? Yeah, that people had about him, yeah. Right, right. Like, you know, like, there's been some time where they've run it, but, like, it hasn't really meticulated into anything. But um, mm. you do see, you know, the boots, the outside zones. You see, obviously, some of the inside zones. You see some of the base staples of the Kyle Shannon offense. You see a lot of dagger concepts. You'll see some flood concepts where CJ's really having to throw it blindly, you know, with blind fate that my guy is going to be where he needs to be. Yeah. Interesting. Um, well, I guess speaking of the guys, that's probably kind of the next part of this we have to talk about, which is, are they good enough? So just to remind non-Texans fans, because if you're not a Texans fan, you probably, <laughs> chances are you might not know who's, who's playing for the Texans now. Um, well, start, starting with the offensive line, because this is relevant. So, you know, uh, they've invested a lot into this group and I thought they, they, they've, you have Larry Tunsil, who's been one of the better left tackles in football. Um, and then you move inside Kane green first round draft pick struggled a bit last year. Uh, it was supposed to be uh, David Questenberry. I believe he's out for the season. So yep. I have to think Juice Scruggs who they drafted in the second round this year as a center will start they trade for Shaq Mason. Who's, at least a competent guard. Mm -hmm. And then Titus Howard, who is, um, was, is a good tackle, but it, uh, broke his hand and yep. might be out for a little bit. They did uh, bring in, and this now looks very astute. They gave him a lot of money, George Fant as a swing tackle. So you've got an offensive line that I think is a, certainly was better in pass protection than run blocking mm. last year. Um, but this isn't David Carr. They're not terrible. Mm -hmm. Like even with those injuries, uh, DJ starting there, like, I always go to Carr because it's the Texans, but like, I don't think like, and he's the famous example of the quarterback who, you know, obviously just got completely um, obliterated <laughs> right. early in his NFL career. I, I, I think this is fine. Like for, you know, I, I, no one's going to confuse him with like one of the better, like the five top five offensive lines in the league, but I think they're certainly good enough to run this system. Um, and then at, at receiver, uh, you got, Nico Collins, who's like kind of flashed being a number one, but he's been hurt. Bring in Robert Woods, John Mechie's back, which is amazing. Draft Tank Dell, super fast dude. And then um, you, you signed Dalton Schultz, which is actually a pretty big signing for them. Mm -hmm. And then you alluded to David Pierce. They also bring in De Devin Singletary. So right. that's that's the that's the gang. Yeah. So yeah, I how do you like? Are, you, are they good enough? So I think um, the O line is more than good enough. I think honestly, I think yeah. it'd be, it could be viewed as a top twelve unit. Uh, I know Scott got That's hurt. Fair. Yeah, I think Scott got hurt. Obviously, Scott got hurt earlier in the year. I mean, not you, earlier this week. He's out for the year, but yeah. Juice was gonna eventually be the starter anyway because they traded up to get him in the second round. Shaq is 
a massive upgrade over AJ Cam uh, along with, and just, just hoping that Kenyon Green can take another step forward in year two, because year one was rough from a pass blocking standpoint. Um, run blocking was okay, but even some of the analytics don't really favor it. He was more of a flash run blocker where he could like have a moment where he's driving a guy five, six, seven yards down the field, and there's other plays where he's basically stuck in quicksand. Um, so, you know, I think the O-line should be very good. And I think, Grant, you're right. George Fant, that was a great signing by them because we know he can play right tackle competently. Is he better than Titus Howard? No. But he could play at a competent level. Tight end, Dalton Schultz looks really good. I think there's a world where he could be top two in targets for the Texans. I truly believe yeah. that based on what I've seen in, in camp. Um, now the receivers, based on 2022 production, um, they rank towards the bottom in all categories going yeah. to 2023. They're like 28th in touchdowns, 28th in like receiving yards. So that's my biggest question. Um, I think you hope Nico can take a big step. But my, my biggest concern with Nico is like he, he passes the eye test, right? Like he's everything you yes. want, right? He looks like a number one wide receiver. He looks exactly like yeah. a number one, you know? And, and But there's too many times throughout – camp where they'll flash making big time plays it's like oh there you go and then like he'll go like a couple yeah. two three practices without even getting a catch during team with the first team and it's just like you if you're a number one that can't happen like for example last year yeah brandon cooks you know he's like a he's like he's enough for me he's number one but he's like on that lower tier of number ones but throughout camp last year he was always making plays there wasn't a single day where he went an entire day without a catch so that's my kind of like Eh. Robert Woods has flashed a little bit. Not a little bit. He's flashed a decent amount um, in terms of just from yards after the catch standpoint and just being a nice safety valve over the middle. So to answer your question, oh, Tank's flashed a little bit over the middle too from the slot. But to answer your question, I think the interior, like the offensive line, the closer you get to the ball, the better it gets. The further away you get from the ball, the more questions arise. Uh, arise. Hmm. So I think the offensive line, I have top 12 unit. I think Dalton Schultz, based off his, you know, time in Dallas, he was top 10 in a tough categories in touchdowns, receiving yards, reception, top 10. So I think tight end find receiver. That's where it's like, you know, we got to, it's going to yeah. be some moments where we're like, he it's, needs a guy. Yeah, right. It's interesting because it's actually kind of not too dissimilar. I'm talking about the NFC South next week from. Hmm. Carolina in that like mm -hmm. I actually think like Carolina has a a, a good offensive line yeah like kind of mid receiving group there's I, their <laughs> players are a little bit different and we'll and I'll obviously talk about them next week but it's like it's actually pretty unusual I think for the first two quarterbacks drafted to not end up in to end, to go to teams that have like decent pass protection you know and I and I I would choose that over like well, I mean I guess this was like the famous uh Chase versus Sewell debate for Jamar <laughs> obviously choosing Jamar Chase worked out for Cincinnati and choosing Sewell worked out for Detroit but I think for these two quarterbacks to end up behind these two offensive lines it's just it's 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 a I can point to significantly worse situations again just from a pass protection standpoint um for guys who have been drafted near the top in recent years and I think um you know, there's there's enough in place with this receiving group, line, run game. I actually think Devin Singletary has kind of become underrated, honestly. Right. Um, right. There's enough there for this offense to look competent, Frank. That, that's kind of how I feel. I don't think they have, like, tremendous upside because of 
like, you know, they're, they're still missing some pieces, but I think there's enough for Stroud to, it, we're not, I, it feels like we're not going to watch him and be like, oh my God, he's drowning out there and this is horrible and he's getting sacked on every play and these receivers are dropping and it's awful. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, it's enough. It's, it's, and it's also, um, you know, I think a lot of them do make sense for the type of offense you talked about. A guy like Robert Woods, you know, who's not asked, he's not the number one wide receiver, but a guy who we know can block and you can use on the horizontal stuff and get yards after the catch. It makes sense for this, for this offense. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think I might be more excited to watch the defense, frankly. Um, maybe that's just because there's players that, I'm already kind of really pumped about, um, and I also just really like D'Amico Ryan's. I think that we should start for the same pl- same sort of question for you, or I'm going to start with the same question for you, which is the what does it look like question, because, you know, um, coming from a, a Lovey Smith defense, so obviously plays a ton to cover two. Um, actually, I think I pull the numbers out of curiosity. I mean, it's the most in the league. Yeah. yeah. And this, and they barely, barely played man coverage, <laughs> um, which they were not great when they did, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the, they had their major holes. Uh, so you got D'Amico coming in. Um, and I think what I find fascinating about this DJ is so, you know, when I talked about Bobby slow in San Francisco, I'm like, okay, does this look like the San Francisco offense with D'Amico? It's interesting because so much of what, he did in San Francisco was based on the fact that they have the best linebacker in the entire NFL and maybe possibly the last 10 years. Whereas the Texans are built really differently. Like I really like the young players they have in the secondary Jalen Petrie sting. I still think I'm still excited about guys like Tavio. They even have good depth now. And then up front, I I'm like, okay, you know, I, Will Anderson, we're done with the trade, the draft talk, or we're, we're just talking about the player. <laughs> Really good player. Um, Jerry Hughes still still doing it, man. You got Greenard coming back. They're bringing Sheldon Rankins. So, like, I actually think the defensive line and the secondary, you've got some good players. So I guess my question for you is, how do you think this defense is going to look different, and how is Ryan's building it around the talent on his roster? Yeah, so I think how much it's going to look vastly different, right? Because, like, last year – you know, third downs is the money down, especially for cornerbacks, and they were in cover two on third and third and long, forty-one percent of the time, which is I mean they were cover two forty-one percent of the time, which is most in the league by far. That's just an insane number. Like I remember having a, a I, I remember I had a corner tell me like, bro, I ain't never played this much cover two in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I I see a scenario where. Let's start with the secondary because I'm so high on the secondary. Like I, what I see at practice, I love that group because you mentioned Petrie, but like he also has Jimmy Ward to help mold him on top of that and teach him exactly how D'Amico wants this defense to run. And then I've been so I've always been high on Thingley. Like obviously coming into the draft of 2022, obviously I'm losing this debate right now, but I was like I like Stingley over Sauce. Obviously Sauce had a phenomenal rookie year, losing that battle right now, but. I think Stingley can take that massive leap because, again, he's going to be in a system that's going to use more cu- more quarters, which eventually, you know, most times, as long as, you know, if the number two runs deep down and the sick has to pick him up, you're a man. man. Yeah, and then, obviously, they're going to run a little bit more cover one. They're going to blitz a little bit more. So Stingley's going to have way more opportunities to make plays on the ball, and the ball's going to come out hot because 
going back to that D-line, Will Anderson, Ooh, he if he's good. not going against Larry, yeah, if he's not going against, <laughs> if he's not going against Larry Tunsil or Titus Howard, good luck to those tackles at practice. There's been times where, oh, yeah. there was one play last week where Davis Mills threw a deep pass to Nico. Con- no, it was, no, it was, it was Xavier Hutchinson, and it was a big play. But if you watch the replay, Will Emerson was able to get into the backfield quick enough to where he was able to turn his back, walk away before Davis Mills threw the ball. That's how quick he got into the backfield off of a play action. So I think Will Anderson is going to be as advertised. And then on top of that, you're going to have, you know, Grenard coming off the edge. And you can use Jerry Hughes in that, you know, third down situational pass rushing role, which he's more suited for. Because last year, he started off hot, but he failed. You know, he faded down the stretch. Because, you know, he's older. He's an older player. And, you know, you know it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it happens. So now he can be. He's been doing it for a while. You know. So, but now he can be fresh, and you can have that rotation because you know against Salah in New York, D'Amico, they want to have a bunch of defensive linemen that can get after the mm-hmm. passer, and they have guys like that now. You know, Sheldon is, is a solid pass rusher. I like Malik Collins, especially in the run game, because uh, their pass defense actually last year was actually fine in terms of takeaways. They had more takeaways than touchdowns allowed through the air. Is the rush defense was yeah the six well, yeah. That, that's what I was going to actually ask you about because they finished actually last year 14th against the pass in DVOA, but 27th against the run. And when you break down like the different types of runs, it, the different levels, it's all bad. It's all bad. Yeah. It's, it's not good. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the, actually the, probably the concern. Cause I do, like I said, really like a lot of the young players. I like the, I obviously love D'Amico Ryan's. But I look when I look at this roster, the depth chart, I'm like, okay, how much better can they be in run defense? Because you know, you bring in Denzel Perryman, who's a competent linebacker, uh, and you alluded to the defensive tackles and stuff. But I, I think that would be, I my concern is like, okay, can they take a step forward in run defense? Because they were just awful against the run last year, and I think that would be the thing that keeps them from jumping into being you know like an average defense which i which i think they can they definitely can but uh if they can't stop the run at all that would be my one worry yeah so i think uh the addition of denzel perryman was brought in specifically for that type of role where he can help in that run game situation last year it was, it was bad it was a combination of scheme along with bad eyes because again like they ran a lot of too high and if you're going to run a lot of too high and yeah. still want to stop the run your linebacker your your defensive line has to be extremely impactful and your linebackers have to be able to have good eyes and be able to shed blocks basically at the same time. And they didn't have that. Uh, but this year, they're obviously running different schemes. So they won't, the linebackers won't be asked to, you know, take on blocks as, as often. And on top of that, Christian Harris looks really good. I think he can be like a Drake Greenlaw type of player in this system. Obviously, I'm not going to say Fred Warner because hello, that's Fred Warner. As you said, one of the best linebackers. I, I say the same thing, one of the best linebackers I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then I, you know, on the other end, you have Kirksey slash Blake Cashman. I don't, Blake Cashman's have a really, really good camp from a pass defense standpoint. So I don't think the run defense is going to be nearly as bad because again, one, it's only going to go up. They're allowed six most rushing yards in NFL history. But again, I think that this, they had more to do with scheme and a little bit of personnel. And now they have players that could start on other teams. That's another thing that like, we come to personnel. Like they had a lot of guys up in a front seven that couldn't start on other teams, right? Like, yeah, yeah they cut one linebacker, 
you know, midway through the season that couldn't, you know, get picked up by anywhere else. That, but he was starting and playing a lot for the Texans, you know. It's not so great. it's not great. Exactly, exactly. So I think the run defense would be a lot better. I think the floor for them, in all honesty, uh, from a defensive standpoint, is league average overall. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see it, honestly. I think, uh, to kind of put a wrap on it, my feeling about the Texans' is success for this year is you want to you feel like you picked the right quarterback. That matters more than anything. Um, and then, you know, Will Anderson being a, a stud. I think, you know, this is not a playoff year. You, you never know, right? But that's not what <laughs> success is. You want, you know, you just want, I think you want to just feel like directionally things are improving. You got the right coaching staff in place. Some of these young players, you know, like like you said, I, I loved everything you said about Derek Stingley Jr. I think you want to watch this year and be like, yes, yep. yes, number three. You know, like, you know, okay, they changed the scheme. We're seeing the guy we saw in college. You know, so you just want to see, like, individual players ball out. And I think that a lot of that is just coaches putting them in the right position to succeed. Um, I kind of feel the same way about the Colts. So let's talk about the Colts because yeah. they're the other team that's probably starting a rookie quarterback. I, you know, I, I don't think – I think my parameters for success are similar where it's like, you want to feel like coaching staff is good. Quarterback has promise. There's some young talent. Um, So I think we'll probably have to start with Jonathan Taylor of it all. It is Tuesday, (laughs) August 8th at the moment. The latest on uh, Taylor is he's not there. Um, His health status is kind of murky. It's all very fraught. You know, I haven't really gotten into the how miss i mean this appears to have just been like really mishandled honestly like the way the owner has been speaking about it all of it just seems like disaster um you know and without knowing what exactly what taylor's asking for um i always like i'm always kind of reluctant to be like the player's getting screwed i don't i don't know what he's what he wants or what he's asking for but purely from a football standpoint um I, it's kind of like, I believe like kind of conflicting things. Cause it's like, I understand why you wouldn't want to give him a big contract for the 200 million reasons. We always talk about when we mm-hmm. talk about this debate, I would also say Taylor himself, you know, coming off of a down year had the one big year. So I could see some hesitation. However, it would really bum me out if he wasn't on this offense yeah. this year because I think my vision for what it can look like with Anthony Richardson and sort of that copy-paste power spread Eagles. Mm-hmm. Boop, <laughs> um, you know, you, you need a good running back next to him and they don't have depth right now. I think Kareem Hunt just landed in Indianapolis. Yeah. I just saw that. So they're certainly uh, poking around. I, but like, let's just do the football stuff. Like DJ, like, how do you feel about like this offense and how much they need Jonathan Taylor in the mix? And and then I think optimistically, because I kind of do think he's going to play. What do you think it can look like with Taylor and Richardson next to each other? Yeah, I think they're going to need Richardson. Not Richardson. They're going to need Jonathan Taylor to ease the transition for Anthony Richardson because again, like Anthony Richardson has a lot of raw ability, but it's got to be developed and. It's got to come together, and they're gonna need them. Period. Like so. Like I'm also on the side of you know, I understand why people don't want to pay running backs, but they have the cap space to do it, and they can structure it in a way where they can get out of it by year three. Like most deals, most guys don't finish out their deals anyway. Yeah. So it's like, why not just take care of this guy to help your young quarterback 
In most instances, I'll be like, eh, I can see why not to, but you have the cap space and you have an extremely raw quarterback that's going to need all the help possible to, you know, help ease this transition from, this, you know, from Florida to the NFL. I will say, though, that with Anthony Richardson, he didn't have much NFL talent around him. Like, you know, just watching that <laughs> Florida, like, from the, from the receivers to the running back. Yeah, it was bad. Just, like, this is not C.J. Stroud going from playing with no. the all-star team in Ohio State. Right, oh, my God. Right. There's, my friend Danny Kelly cut a video of all the Florida wide receivers' drops, and it's honestly like Keystone Cops. It's so funny. But, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, I, I, he, so he's going to upgrade that department in terms of weapons, but – He's still an extremely raw quarterback. He, but I will say he does a lot of quarterback things well within the pocket from like just pocket movement and being able to still throw, deliver accurate passes with a muddy pocket. Because everybody can make a you know a good throw when the pocket's clean, things of that nature. But you've seen it when things get muddy around him. He can still deliver it with the velocity that's required to fit into tight window. So he, the, the talent's through the roof. I think we're going to see a lot of it's a mix of like Josh Allen slash Jalen Hurts in terms of like the usage when you're going to use a lot of RPOs. Because last year, Jalen Hurts yeah. led the league in RPO passes with 122. Second place was like Marcus Mariota at 90. And then in 2021, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, they were like 1-2 in terms of RPO usage um, in 2021. So you're going to have to use a lot of that with Anthony Richardson. You have to get extremely creative because I don't, I'm not really too high on their receiving core. I do like Michael Pittman, but just based off, you know, again, like some of the stats that I had from their 2022 production, they were 20th in total receiving yards. You know, they were, I'm trying to look right. Oh, they were seventh, they're 24th in TD receptions. Granted, Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger, yeah. Nick Foles. So it can get a little tricky. Um, Nick Foles of- took, uh, <laughs> I, I memory hold the fact that he took, he played for them until I came up an immaculate grid. I don't know if you ever played that game. <laughs> I was like looking at it and I was like, wait, Nick Foles. Yeah. I forgot it was a Colts topic. Anyways. Yeah. But that, that, that does kind of make it hard to evaluate the receivers. Right. Because right. Right. Yeah. Such bad quarterback play. Exactly. So it's like, you know, I, I don't want to crush them. Like I'm not in love with the receiving core, but I can't say like, it's like the Texas receiving core where there's like legitimate questions based on like their own production, regardless of the quarterback. So I'm really interested to see just basically how Shane uses Anthony Richardson. I mean, and obviously they have to play on week one. Like there's no point in letting Gardner Minshew play in all honesty, because, you know, like Gardner is fine. But when you take a guy like that who had 377 pass attempts in his entire, I mean, college career, think about it just for context. Like Kyler Murray, his single year at OU, had 377, my bad. I meant to say he, uh, Anthony Richardson had 339. And Kyler Murray in that one year had 377. So, like, in one season, exactly. So, like, you have, like, he's going to need reps, like, you know, with the, especially the quarterback position, it's a lot about reps, 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 reps. Just, yeah. It's, you know, people say, you know, sometimes some guys aren't ready. And I'm a big, big proponent of if the guy isn't ready to play, you take him that high, then maybe you should have well, taken him that high, you know? I, I also think he should play. I'm with you. And I think it's because um, the NFL has changed. And we have yeah. coaches now who know what to do with these guys. And Shane Steich, this is why everybody was so excited when Anthony Richardson landed with the Colts. Not because yep. of the the players around him, but because of Shane Steichen, honestly. Right. And because we just saw him do it. Now, granted... Um, Jalen Hurts was more experienced than Richardson, and more polished in a lot of ways. 
and the talent there is very different, which I'll get to in a second. Yeah, very um, different. <laughs> but con- conceptually, everything you're saying in terms of like the quarterback run game, the RPOs, uh, I think those are things that Steichen can lean into to make life easier for him early on in his NFL career. He's going to see easier coverages because of the threat he provides as a runner. And he's going to, um, I think like they'll probably use all four downs the way they did with Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts. They should. Yeah. I mean, God, have you seen Anthony Richardson? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. If that dude's not, not running sneaks, I don't know. what. <laughs> um, yeah. So like there's, there, I, I think the question I would have for the Colts offense, there's two questions. One Okay, can Richardson's uh, – my big question about him was kind of the short accuracy. Can mm-hmm. that improve? And it doesn't even have to he, – he never has to be, like, great in terms of accuracy because mm-hmm. of what he brings as a runner mm-hmm. and, and I think as a, a his arm strength. Just needs to be better than he was in college. And then the other thing is because, again, and we're envisioning this offense with Jonathan Taylor and, and back there as well – because of what this team can should be able to do on the ground, the wide receivers are going to see tons of one on ones. Yeah. Or when they're when they use RPOs, they're going to be open a lot. Like right. linebackers are going to key on the run yeah. all the time. So when you look at Pittman, Pierce, who's deep threat, um, who did they bring in in the slot? Oh, they drafted Josh Downs. Who I really yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Isaiah McKenzie, who's probably going to start. Can those guys take advantage of? the fact that they're being paired because that that's what makes the Eagles offense such an absolute damn nightmare. <laughs> you have this insane running game and you have like one of the two best receiving duos in the NFL. And it's like, you know, you're going to die either way. <laughs> I think with the Colts, if you're playing like, you know, DJ, like if you're playing the Colts, you'd be like, all right, stop the run. <laughs> like, right. right. Like, so my question for them, I guess I should throw, also throw in the offensive line. Can they bounce back? But my other question for them is, can these skill players take advantage of what the run game is going to afford them? And I think that's going to go a large way towards determining what this offense looks like. Yeah, I agree. I think Michael Pittman, again, he's a, he's a former thousand yard receiver. I think he can take advantage of that. We'll see what Alec looks like in year two um, out of Cincinnati. But because one on one, like that's a receiver's dream, you know, getting a single coverage where, you know, one, two, three, you know, you, you cut for a slam or you cut for a dig. And you don't have to really necessarily worry about that linebacker kind of being in that area. Or, you know, yeah. you want to run like a double move. And knowing that Anthony, you have to just run. Anthony Richardson can hit you <laughs> no matter where you are because he has yeah. a rocket of an arm. So I think on paper, you know, obviously this year is going to have some clunks. But I think as time progresses down the stretch, we should see some some sparks of an explosive offense where – they got the run game going and they can use some of that RPO, use some of that play action and really push the ball down the field and get a lot, a lot of yards after the catch. I, I was, you know, I was a big Anthony Richardson fan just in, in the sense that of what he can be. Obviously I still had, you know, CJ and Bryce ahead of Anthony Richardson, but I understood why you take a guy like that. Yeah. Cause if you're going to get fired for missing a quarterback, at least get fired swinging on a guy like that. Cause that's what they said. That's what Chris Ballard literally exactly. He was like, look, you know, go big. Right. And this is a guy who was not um, big. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I hope that, um, you know, cause they did run it back with the offensive line. I do think one quick final note before we get to the defense, 
Anthony Richardson, and I mentioned this a lot during the draft process, that dude does not get sacked a lot. Yeah. And I actually think that's going to really help the offensive line. He had a really, really low pressure to sack ratio. He, when you watch him, it, he, he's just kind of like shakes dudes off. Yeah, he's literally. So big and strong. Uh, so yeah, so I think that'll help. Uh, he probably gonna hold on to football a little bit longer. That'll make life harder, but, um, I'm did I'm really excited to watch it. Uh, defense, a little less excited. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would just I would sum it up this way. I think the defensive front is really good and really uh, has a combination of like good veterans and exciting young players behind them. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I agree. Like I I remember like you know going when we were prepping, prepping for the show. I'm like. Yeah, I know defense isn't going to be that good. I mean, you know, last year they were 28th in scoring defense, allowed 25 points per game. And obviously they had the one, the nickel cornerback get suspended for the year. I was like, okay, but they still might have a little something, something. And I looked at Kenny Moore. Obviously he's, you know, he was a pro bowl in 2021. And I look at 2022, I'm like, quarterbacks targeted him. He had, they, he allowed a pass rating of 110. I'm like, oh, Lord. That's <laughs> not great. I'm like, is that good? Yeah. Is that good? Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I do like, Julius Brents that they uh, that they got from Kansas State. When I watch him against, yeah, I watch him against uh, TCU. He like on the intermediate and short stuff. He kind of had his way with Johnston, but obviously down the field is where Johnston was able to have some success. So like I, I see something there, but he's a rookie. Like like I know what Sauce did as a rookie was was special, but like that's so rare. With, with yeah, with, right. We can't just keep assuming these cornerbacks are going to come, but they're all starting. Like the, the, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they might start another rookie opposite. I we'll see. Darius Rush. Yeah, it's, it's going to work. Like, you mentioned Kenny Moore. Yeah, Kenny Moore was good. So like Julian Blackman was really really good. I don't know if you remember early in his career. Then he's mm-hmm. injured and stuff. You got uh, Maniac Leonard uh, coming back, but you know yeah. he didn't play in a while. That injury is really weird. Mm-hmm. <sighs> they have guys who have been good. It's just kind of I don't know. The depth chart is just rough. I do <laughs> again. I like the front a lot because. I, I think some combination of either Quiddy Pay, Ebukam, who they brought in, uh, Dio Odingbo, one of those dudes I feel like is going to step up. And on the inside, you got Grover Stewart. Of course, DeVorce Buckner is like one of the best DTs in the league. Yeah. I like the kid they drafted at Northwestern. I think I, I can really see this defensive front being good. It's just behind them. Sorry, I know I said that at the beginning yeah. myself. But. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's the back end that gives a lot of people pause and concern. Because, again, like, granted, they're in the AFC South, and there's only, like, one team, maybe one, maybe two teams, that have, like, a prolific pass attack. So they might be able to get away, get away with it sometimes, but then when they come across teams that can really air it out, like, they're going to be, they're going to face a lot of issues. And that's why, you know, I think they're going to probably finish last in the division. Real Okay, interesting. So, yeah, I think, I view this as the two-tier division. Uh mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what I pre- probably Vegas has them above the Texans a little bit, but I bet it's pretty I, close. Yeah, All yeah. right, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's talk about the favorite that, that you hate after the break. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesar's Palace—all this can be yours when you bet with Caesar's Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OmahaFull. And then 
place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 Gambler, it's 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Okay, we're back. Did you see uh, the NFL 100 quarterback rankings? I mean, the, the, the list is out. Uh, the NFL 100 had Trevor Lawrence, so that's the player's vote, and I don't know how exactly, they do like a mm-hmm. tabulation, you know, whatever. Every year, everybody gets mad about it. It's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get mad about the NFL on a but, but yo, they had Trevor Lawrence. I think is like the 14th quarterback, which is uh, behind yeah. the likes of Tua, Justin Fields, Jared Goff. Yeah. Um, right. That is a massive. I I must confess that I I I am part of the NFL media obsession with Trevor Lawrence. I if. like he i mean we did i did quarterback rankings on my pod and i think i took him like six or something like very high um now granted that was with like a future timeline or whatever i think he's so good Mm -hmm, dj mm -hmm. i i just i'm such a fan of his game so i guess we should start there i mean what he did in the second half of the season i think it's so many things with him it's um and and I just rewatched their playoff win against the Chargers. By the way, he was awful in the first half of that game. But uh, <laughs> no, but just you know the, the arm talent, how quickly he gets the ball out. He like Anthony Richardson doesn't get sacked, which is something I love. His underrated athleticism. I just think like that. You know, it, the, the, when we talk about the Jags and why they're the favorites, it all has to start. Well, you know, they're a very good coach too, but it all has to start. With Trevor Lawrence, I mean, how the Tex- how did the Texans play him last year? I actually don't remember. They, they believe it or not, like the Texans kind of have his number. <laughs> like he, <laughs> I, I, was, like, I was looking at it, I was like, whoa, whoa, what's going wait, on? Wait, wait, like, when did they play? When did they play? Him? Four games. When were they? They played them. So they played them week week four or five. I okay. think it had to be week four because I think that's when Damian Pierce had that crazy run. Yeah. Um. And they were able to get the win, but um. Yeah. Not nah, they. Like he's three touchdowns, six interceptions against the Texans in his career, which is kind of interesting. So did they hit him in the but, second half? What did they? Yeah. No. Nah, the second half. I no, no. So so like in the second half they were they 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 saw him in the second half, but he, even that game he wasn't good. Huh. The run game was obviously they they were flat on that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
But even that game, like, he completed the majority of his passes, but he had, like, a pass rate under, like, 80 because he threw an interception. He threw no touchdowns that game. Um, so, yeah, like, that I was actually kind of mad about that game because uh, I started Trevor Lawrence that week over Daniel Jones. And <laughs> crazy, and I lost my fantasy football championship that week. So, oh, but, um, bitter. We got a bitter one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but to overall answer your initial yeah. question, nah, like Trevor is, is phenomenal. Like, yeah, like okay. there's for me, I have tiers of like elite, great, very good, good, and average, and obviously, like I have Trevor in that great category. Elite only have three guys there, Mahomes, Allen, and uh, Burrow. Um, but Trevor's obviously in that great category. He's probably going to – there's a chance he could end up in that elite category. Kind of just depends on how good Calvin looks when he gets back. Um, but, again, down that stretch, like, you know, from week from week nine through the end of the season, well, the re- end of the regular season, like, he was, I believe, seventh in passing yards, had a passer rating of 104. Yeah. Um, look at and it, um, next-gen stat score, which is basically, you know, how they just rank everything in, in the sense of, you know, EPA and um, passer rating and all these type of things and sack percentage. From Again, from week nine through the rest of the season, he was first among all quarterbacks um, ahead of guys like Jared Goff, obviously Patrick Mahomes, ahead of guys like, you know, Josh Allen, things of that nature. So down that stretch, I had to give him his flowers. Like Trevor Lawrence was phenomenal. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you know, so. He was balling the second half of the season. Yeah, and it's, it, it, he was. I, I was um, trying to think through why and the changes and what, what you know, and I think – there are definitely some tweaks they made. Um, the uh, FTN just put out their almanac, the Aaron Schatz, which is I really recommend to people. I'll plug it more in the coming weeks. It used to be the Football Outsiders almanac. But um, Dan Pizzuto, who's been on the show, ha- did the chapter on the Jags, so I read it, and it was great. One thing he mentioned, and I made sure to take note of this because I thought it was so um, interesting. He actually pulled the numbers on this. Let me quick this, get this out really quickly. Oh, yeah, so after the buy, so basically the second half of the season – um, they really bumped up his zero or one step drop snaps, mm. attempts, passing attempts. And that's that ball was just because mm. the offensive line was not playing better. Let me tell you that. And we'll get to them. <laughs> but he was just just getting it out so quickly. So that was one change that they made. Um, the other thing I feel like, um, well, wh- another thing that really shows up in the data, and this was just, I was just looking at the splits. Um, outside the red zone, he actually was fine. He was really, really good. He was like top 10. He was like 10th or 11th, both before and after. Mm -hmm. In the red Mm -hmm. zone, DJ, this is dramatic. The first half of the season, he had a QBR of 10, (laughs) Mm. which was 31st. (laughs) After, it was 82. So he just became an absolute assassin in the red zone. And I think that really contributed to his numbers. Um, but it just kind of felt like watching them, like they figured, I, I, I tweeted some of this. They figured out how to use Evan Ingram, getting him the ball in space. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt like, you know, this is not, this was not the greatest receiving group by any means, although Christian Kirk's probably underrated mm-hmm. at this point, but it kind of felt like right. uh, Peterson figured out how to get the most of Ingram, Kirk, Jones the times, the two Joneses. So, you know, what we saw was really exciting. And then now, as you mentioned, to throw Calvin Ridley into the mix. Like, how? Wh- what's your level of, I mean, you watched him along with me in 2018, 19, 20. 
how do you regard him as a player and how much do you think he improves this already very good offense? So with Calvin Ridley, like obviously big fan of him. Obviously he's from where I'm from, from South Florida. Um, he plays exactly how uh, a guy from South Florida plays. Cause you see some, you see some of how he plays in Jerry Judy a little bit too, where like we're like down South, we're big on separation. Yeah. Like you're not going to find too many big body receivers <laughs> from South Florida. A lot of guys come out, we we're big on separation Speed. and that's probably, yeah, that's probably my, my, my favorite trait about him. My only question with Calvin Ridley is like when week one starts, so that'd be September 10th. The last time he played football was yeah. October 27th, I think. 2021 against the Miami Dolphins where he had like four catches for like 26 yards. So like it's only going to be what, 23 whole months since he played in a, a regular season football game. Yeah, he's going to play in preseason, but we all know preseason is nothing compared to regular season in terms of speed, in terms of just coverage, like the coverage that you see post and pre-snap, things of that nature. And, you know, so basically having almost a two-year layoff, like, I was looking because it's so rare. You usually don't see that for receivers, you know. And, um, I, I, you know, only two guys that I could find that had similar layoffs was Plaxico Burris, who obviously went to prison for shooting himself accidentally. And you have Josh Gordon, who missed two seasons where, yeah. um, for, you know, you know with, with substance abuse issues. So, like, both guys, you know, when they came back, they were solid when they came back, you know. And again, like, Practical was a lot older. He was like 34 when he came back with the Jets. But Josh was out in the middle, middle of his prime, you know? And it wasn't like he wasn't working out. Like, he was in good shape. Um, and he looked good. It's just that the numbers were just fine. So, yeah. like, that's where I'm like, okay, like, how much can we expect out of out of Ridley? But the reports seem good. You know, my, my, my dog, John uh, Shipley, down in Jacksonville, he, he's raved about him. But again, like... I got to I got to see, see it's a it, long it's see. a long layout. Right. You're totally right to point that right. out. I mean, everyone is saying he looks great. Everybody's saying he looks like, you know, and he's really young too, which is worth mentioning. Um right. I think what I what makes me so excited about Ridley is not just that he was like a legitimate number one receiver. And even, you know, he played with Julio Jones, mm-hmm. obviously, for the bulk of that. But even when Julio Jones was out, he would still have big games. So it wasn't like he was entirely benefit on the spacing provided by Julio Jones. But I also think, DJ, mm-hmm. his skill set, which you alluded to as being South Florida-ish, it pairs well with what Trevor <laughs> Lawrence does well. You know, his ability Mm -hmm. to get open quickly, to separate in that intermediate Mm -hmm. area, um, work different parts of the field. One thing, I I grabbed this because I was curious. I just thinking about things I thought I remember Ridley being good at. So Trevor Lawrence is fantastic um, on out routes, which makes sense because of his arm strength Mm. and quick release, right? Uh, He actually finished second in EPA per target only behind Mahomes last year. From Mm. 2018 through 2020, Matt Ryan had a passer rating of 140 throwing to Calvin Ridley on out routes. That's the best of any quarterback receiver pairing in the NFL. Can't you just see it? Can't you just imagine him just, you know, he's lined up outside. Trevor Lawrence, the ball's in his hand. Just like he separates quickly. First down. Like it just, it just, it works in my mind. Yeah. No, no. I, 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 now, you know, my question is, I'm not saying that Ridley is going to not be productive. I think that's really going to be productive. Again, the skill set is 
it's going to be hard. Like, you can't replicate his skill set in the sense of being able to separate, get in and out of his breaks. Obviously, he has good hands, and he's explosive after the catch. And, he's, you know, he's not one of those guys that's going to run into traffic. He's going to get down and preserve his body. We've seen plenty of clips <laughs> of that. Um, and you mentioned that with Matt Ryan, who didn't necessarily have down that stretch of his career, didn't have necessarily a strong arm. But that just shows how much separation yeah. and how well really was able to win at the top of that route on those out routes to be able to um, – because, you know, he was obviously selling it well enough to when he cut, he had enough separation for Matt Ryan to get the ball there when you pair – Calvin Ridley and um, Trevor Lawrence's arm strength, quick release into that. Yeah, they they, they can for sure make that. It's pretty exciting. Sure it's pretty exciting. Uh, what do you do? You yes. have any concerns about this offense? I guess the offensive line, right? Is, is nah, the nah, nah. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. The offensive line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, Cam Robinson is going to be out six games. Yes. Um, Walker, I think Walker, Walker Little. Little yeah. or, He's gonna he's gonna replace him, and then yeah, the right tackle is gonna be the first round pick out of Oklahoma, who played mainly left tackle at Oklahoma. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, because we all know tackles, bad tackles can get your quarterback killed. So I'm really interested to see what that looks like uh, early on, because I believe the like the first six weeks of the season. Like, they don't face crazy pass rushes, mm. but they do face some pass rushes that can give you some issues, right? Because, like, um, when I when I pull up their schedule, I know they have the, um They open up with – it's the Colts, correct? Yeah, they open the Colts, then they go to they, – they play Kansas City. And Kansas City, like, if George takes another step uh, coming off the edge, and obviously they get the Chris Jones situation taken care of, like, that could cause some issues. And then week three, my boy Will coming off that edge – that could and Gennard, because Gennard in twenty twenty one had eight sacks in twenty one games. Yeah. And he's really like he, he's a good pass rusher when healthy. So like that could be a potential issue. And I believe I I'm not off the top of my head, I don't remember who they played week four, but I know they got the Buffalo Bills in that stretch. What kind of saves them a little bit is the fact they get the Colts twice in that um six six week stretch. I'm not really too sure how good their pass rush from the edges is gonna the be. Edges, yeah. I think interior will be fine. Yeah, I think interior will be fine. Um, so, but I don't necessarily have too many concerns overall about the offense. For me, my concerns and why I am going with the Titans winning the division is mainly because a lot of, you know, in 2022, they spent the most money in free agency and most teams that spend a lot of money, right? They usually reap the benefits that first year. Then they pull back a little bit, right? The Giants in 2016, they went 11 and five. Then the next year, they weren't really that good. Obviously everybody got fired. Um, they went three and thirteen that year. Actually, the Jags when they spent a bunch of money with the NFC Championship game, five and eleven the next year. Bears they spent a bunch of money. Wild card loss went twelve and four. Then the following year, eight and eight missed the playoffs. Dolphins twenty twenty two ten and six. Barely missed the playoffs that week seventeen game that still hurts me as a Dolphins fan where they for all of them forgot how to play football. <laughs> the next year nine and eight missed the playoffs. So there's a trend, right? Patriots, same thing. That's your main concern Ten, um, about the Jacks. Is the, yeah, the, right. I thought you were going to say the defense. I thought you were going to say you're skeptical of the defense. Not Because um, I, I was about to agree. I, I share some skepticism. Yeah, yeah and I, I have some skepticism of the defense, but it's, it's not that large. My biggest concern for them necessarily is, is the fact that they had a fourth-place schedule last year. Mm. And now this year, they're going to play the Niners. The Chiefs. Yeah. And I know I'm going to throw it in there. The Texans. Grant, I know people are going, the Texans? Oh, my God, the Texans. But <laughs> hear me out. Everybody, hear me out. If you're in the car, don't don't crash. Because I said that. But the Texans have really dominated the um the Jags you would, you would know, over man. the last. Yeah. Like, like, you know, they beat them last year, obviously. 
Um, and then, you know, they had at one point they won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games in a row mm. against the Jags. Granted, you know, they have Trevor. So Trevor changes the entire landscape of everything that I said, right? But again, Bills at New Orleans, at Pittsburgh, the San Francisco 49ers, Cincinnati Bengals. It's harder. The Cleveland Browns should be better. It's harder. It's harder. Baltimore Ravens Um, and Tennessee Titans. They have to be better. They have to be the version of the team we saw in the second half of the season. And, you know, the the offense was, I think we agree, pretty lights out in the second half of the season. The defense improved. Now they still finished 30th Mm -hmm. and past DVOA, and there's still problems, I think, with this roster. But, you know, what what jumped out to me watching them play – the chargers in the comeback. I was just trying to like, I was like, what happened? <laughs> like that was so weird. <laughs> uh, a lot of guys on the defense played really well. I thought, I, I think that they're um, the interior of the front is pretty stout with Robertson Harris, Devon Hamilton. They get Fado who's been injured back. Uh, mm-hmm. They re-signed Dwayne Smoot, who was hurt. Those are all good players. I think right. where I get, and then we'll, I'll talk about the secondary in a second. I like the corners safeties less. So, where I get concerned, though, uh, is pass rush because mm. Arden Key is no longer on this team. And mm-hmm. outside of Al- Josh Allen, who I think is quite good, um, it's kind of a question mark. Like Trevon Walker, I, I guess let me, let me say this. I'm going to make like a, st- a statement, I guess. For this defense to be better than they were last mm-hmm. year in pass defense and they were one of the worst units in the league – Travon Walker has to play like a number one pick. He's got to just play like a top 10 pick, man, because he was right. really inconsistent. Now, some of that might have had to do with how he was used. Um, you know, he was uh, standing up a lot, which I know people think is not his best uh, usage. You want him with his hand in the dirt. He's in coverage sometimes. Maybe he's better off lined up inside. I don't know. He came into the NFL as like a quote-unquote raw prospect, I guess. But he's got to be better, not just because of, I'm not saying because of his draft status, but because I don't, like, that's where the pass rush has to come from. Like, when you look at opposite Josh Allen and the other guys on this team, they need another dude. He has to be that dude, in my opinion, for this defense to be good. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Again, like, you made a great point, right? You take that guy number one overall, you kind of need, like, Tim to truly play like a guy that you, you, know, you even take in the top ten because, like, I know it's more the rushing the passes than sacks, but you take a guy number one overall, like, he got to be able to get more than three and a half sacks, even as a rookie. Like, Grant, it wasn't like he was getting a lot of pressures either, Hope- DJ. <laughs> like, yeah, it wasn't yeah, like he was right, like, right. you know, he wasn't one of those guys where you're like, oh, he was so close. Like, he wasn't really that close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember, you know, he was coming out. Like, I had a coach tell me, like, he's, he's basically like a workout warrior. Like, I'm, I wouldn't draft him if I was drafting that high. Like, I wouldn't draft him that high over guys like, you know, Kayvon or Hutch, you know, so. You know, you kind of bet. I had another guy tell me, you know, he has the most upside out of that group, and you're hoping that he can tap into that. But pass rushing, being able to get sacks and pressures is a skill. Like, that's not necessarily – that's something that – I don't want to say either you have it or you don't, but if you, if you didn't have it in college, it's really hard to get it in the NFL for the most part. Um, and my, my guy, again, shout out to him again, John Shipley, he mentioned that – he looked better in camp. He, he went on. He went on radio show. He mentioned that he looked better in camp. But he also, again, 
you pointed out your concerns too of outside of those two guys, they don't have much coming after the pass rusher. And he's like, that's a tough bet to bet on two guys come off the edge and stay healthy for an entire year for 17 game season to stay healthy and be your predominantly main pass rush duo. Because again, if one guy gets hurt, now you can slide all your protection to that other guy um, side, hit him, give him a whole bunch of double team things of that nature. Because I mean, you know, I, right, right. Because like, you know, Josh, you know, Josh is he's good, but there's only like a few guys that you can double team all game and they can still make an impact. Man, yeah. Donald's of the world, the Nick Bosa's. And I don't know if we could put Josh in that category yet. Maybe he can develop into that, but he's not in that category yet. So, yeah, that that's a great, great, great concern. So, you know, I think. Because, again, you know, the past defense, you mentioned, you know, 31st in DVOA. Hopefully it can get better in 2023. But it's going to come down to that pass rush. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think the secondary, you know, I like the corners. I think once um, when Griffin got hurt, maybe Williams outside, him and Campbell are, you know, both flashed a lot of upside. Um, safeties, I'm a little bit less high on. But, <laughs> you know... It, if if they got if if this team wants to vie with the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals of the world, and I think that's, mm-hmm. um, I think the offense is totally capable of it. I I just think that it you never want to put it all on like one player, but like somebody other than Josh Allen has to get to the quarterback, and you know we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. They got a lot of young linebackers. See what happens with them too. There's a lot of young players on this defense that like. Uh, are in their second year, third year, and kind of need to take a leap for me to feel better about them. All right, let's talk about the Titans. Let's finish with the Titans. You got the Titans winning the division. Let me just let's just start big picture. Why why do you like the Titans? Like why do you think? What, what is it about them that you feel is going to carry them to uh, success this year? Well, I really love the Hop pickup mainly because I still think Hop is a number one. Like from week seven through week fifteen, he had seven hundred and thirteen yards which was fourth in the entire NFL. I know people want to throw out the jokes like, oh, you know, he's like every other, you know, star receiver that's going to Tennessee at the end of their career, like Randy or Andre Johnson or even Julio. But those guys are all clear declines. Yeah. Like very clear declines. Um, where Hop is still a very viable receiver. Like 713 yards in nine games is kind of bananas. If you extract that for an entire season, that's 1,300 yards, you know? So – I think because Tannehill, if you give him weapons on the outside, because now that you have Hop, now you can put Traylon Burks in his in his Z spot because, you know, he's a guy that you want to motion around and get him free releases because that's what he did a lot in Baylor. Agree. And that's what he's able to, to you know, Arkansas, yeah. be productive. But yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I said Baylor. No, no but you're right. That is but what he did. Yeah, yeah, you want to move. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you can move him around and get him the ball. Because he is a playmaker when he gets the ball in his hand. Yes. And that gives him time to develop as a route runner because, you know, again, at – Arkansas, not Baylor. He was okay as a route runner, and again, like he flashed a little bit last year. But now that you you can have Hop, where Hop is going to get the bulk of the defensive coordinator's attention in terms of stopping, yeah. in terms of pass, um, the pass game. Now Traylon can you know find those open seams and things like that. You can get him on some crossing routes, get him ball in space, so he can make some big plays. So that's what really gives me more confidence, and obviously. Have Derrick Henry. I talked to my dog T, the ESPN reporter, Teron from the Titans. He said the left side of the line is, is rock solid. Like he said, like that, it's good. You know, obviously the the guard that they drafted, um, Peter, he looks. He said he looks good. Um, what gives me a little bit con- concerned? My dog was like, 
But the right side, the, the right tackle spot. I, who, I don't like, know who's playing right tackle. I'm going to put my hand up. Cause, cause <laughs> even their situation before Petit Ferrer is the dude who's a second-year player. He got suspended for the gambling stuff right. six, six games. Right. He wasn't good. So it wasn't yeah. like I was like, oh, man, yo, this is going to be great. Now it's like I, like I – I'm reading Jamarco Jones getting cut for fighting too much. There's like rookies <laughs> in the mix. I'll be, I'll be straight up. Like, I don't right. think, I think this offensive line is really bad. I, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, maybe I, I like Scronsy pick, pick. Maybe I'm being unduly influenced because I saw that the unfor- uh, aforementioned Arden Key apparently sacked uh, Tanhill seven times <laughs> from Andre Dillard. And the defensive <laughs> line is amazing. So it's, it's an unfair fight. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it's it's yeah. it's just, and I think that's that's going to be the big question: is how much will they hold them back? Because everything you said about Hopkins and Burks, I could not agree more. And it's funny because I I think Hopkins is like now to me he's kind of like a one A to be honest. Where like I wouldn't put mm-hmm, him in that mm-hmm. top, but I do. He's not washed at all. He is not Julio coming. No, no, he is still a really good player. And when they added him, I was like, oh man suddenly everyone kind of slots into a different position and it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I love their tight end, mm-hmm. Chica Quanquo, who's really, really good with the ball in his hands too. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, like Benjamin Hopkins, Burks, then you're looking at Kyle Phillips, Westbrook, Akine. Suddenly it's a, it's a totally decent group. Uh, and you got a new play right. caller in Tim Kelly, who was in Houston. Offense, I think mm-hmm. is going to look a little bit different. I can see it all, but like, I'm like, damn, this offensive line might be so bad that it undermines. I, I really, I'm really, pet, I'm not optimistic about it. And I'd love to be wrong because, um, like, you know, I, I like Tannehill. I like the skill players. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just nervous. I just keep looking at this depth chart. I keep, I've been reading all the camp reports trying to figure out who's starting and like, it's a tough scene. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I think, something that got a bit of attention last year. This is a team that runs the ball a lot and that makes things easier mm-hmm. in the past game. Um, they were very bad at a running ball, especially on early downs. I don't have to get into all that, but you know, maybe hopefully with Tim Kelly, from what I understand, you might know a little bit more about him than I do. Um, but from, you know, I, I do remember that one season and then from what I'm reading from Titans camp, a little bit more balls are coming out quickly, quick passing game. Um, I think they have the personnel for it and it would be good if they weren't, you know, constantly running into brick walls on first down. So I think that could be a good change as well. So, yeah, nah, yeah, I, I, I completely agree there. Um, obviously, yeah, that's all like, like I'm saying I got the winning division, but it's like the only thing, again, as you mentioned, holding me back is that all offensive line, because we all know, like for you to, I mean, cause the Jags are still a good team. Like, even though I have the Titans winning, but for you to win a division, we have a good, another good team there. Like your line can't be an abomination. Um, so that's where I'm like, my only concern. I've talked about it in my group chat with some of my friends, almost my reporter friends, and like that's been my my only holdup. But me and my dog Mike Dugard from Seattle, you know, from the Athletic, coming Seahawks. We're on the Titans bandwagon Titans for this man. year, but uh, yeah, we're on the Titans bandwagon. We're we gonna, we gonna ride it out, you know, but. For me, it's defensively, you know, I think the defense can also be really yeah, good. Yeah, so let's talk about the defense. So I'm, uh, Titans fans, yeah. if you are if you were mad at me for being uh, doom and gloom about the <laughs> offensive line, I actually think I might be more optimistic about the defense than the consensus. And that's why, why I said it's a two-tier thing, really, honestly. It's because mm-hmm. I think this defense rules. Um, I mean, 
the fact that they were so good last not not they weren't good last year but that they gave they they just constantly like drag teams into the, into hell <laughs> and um yeah and they were the best run defense in the NFL despite the fact that they had one of the highest light box rates in the league which speaks mm. to just how fearsome that defensive line was struggled against the pass lots of injuries you get Landry back i talked about key who i think is an extremely good player i think you know with better health on the back end i think they i they could I definitely, personally, I view them as the best defense in the division. Yeah, no, easily. I mean, again, you mentioned, like, the defense putting the offenses in hell. Like, they almost won a game against the Kansas City Chiefs strictly off of defense alone. Yeah. Like, that, this defense is, is for real. Yeah, like, like again, obviously, the past, the past defense it was dead last in terms of yards, passing yards per game. And the cornerback situation was kind of shaky, especially with uh, Roger. Um, yeah. He had, he struggled a lot as a rookie. Um, I believe quarterbacks had a passer rating over 100 when they targeted him. It, it, it was rough, but I think hopefully he can get better. I, I really like Fulton. I'm still a Fulton believer. Target. I'm glad you say that yeah, because <laughs> he has ups and downs. He's had injuries, but I think he's a good player. I really, really yeah, do. Yeah, me too. Me, me too. I mean, when he, you know, uh, and then, I, you know, they brought in um, Sean. Bunting, Mark, um, Bunting. I oh, Murphy Bunting, yeah, but, from Tampa. That was yeah, kind of so one of those quiet, kind of flew under the radar. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then you look up and you're like, he's competent. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so, and obviously, Bird is phenomenal. Like, yeah. right. <laughs> there ain't really much more to say about, about that. Um, last year, they were third on third, you know, third and third down defense. That's crazy. And were, yeah. That's crazy that defense. they were that good yeah. with the yeah. injuries that they had. Yep. I, yeah, and and, yeah. and and that's why I'm like they're gonna they're because again like they were gonna win the division last year if Ryan Tannehill stayed healthy like they were going to win that division they almost stole that last game with Joshua Dobbs until he threw that I think it was a pick six or he fumbled one of the two but they 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 took a, you know the the score back and that was basically the game in, in that instance um it just, and again I think they would have won a division if Malik Willis was was even remotely competent like Malik. When he, when I mean he really wasn't ready, like there was, for example, like the um, it, when they played the Texans, his first ever start. So there was this one concept that every single team used against the Texans, mainly because on certain down, basically first down, the linebackers are always going to crash in because again they had to because they knew that you know Lovey knew that hey my linebackers and my D line it, it's shaky. So that every team usually at one point in the game we're going to run a glance concept where you're going to have but it's entire you know. Single back tight, whatever, and then have you know that glance. We have your backside post dig, whatever. Everybody ran it. I've seen the Chargers run it, the Raiders run it, <laughs> Colts run it. I saw everybody run it, right? And then you know, because it's wide open, you just gotta hand it or you know, downside hut. Boom, basically, you know, it's gonna be wide open. Malik ran that, and it ended up in an interception. You know that Stephen Nelson took back to like the three yard line. I, I don't know if they scored or not. I don't think they scored. Shows how bad the offense was. But um, they, they, I think they kicked a field goal. But, like, that just showed me the Titans just had below average quarterback play. They yeah, win the division because they yeah. were – because, again, like, Mike Vrabel is a really, really good coach. Like, really last good. year was his first losing season. I just – I'm going to bet on um, Mike Vrabel, that defense, Hop with Tannehill, Henry, Burks, that they can find a way to get to oh. 10 wins. 
and win that division. I, I think what what I appreciated so much about the Hopkins signing was because you know, we could have come into this preview and and we could have started with the like when is uh you know Levis gonna start is Malik Willis he's having a good mm-hmm. camp is he gonna challenge him how long are mm-hmm. they but when they signed Hopkins it was like okay they're trying to win like Tannehill's gonna yep. be, Tannehill might get hurt obviously but right, right. Uh, it really clarified like that they they still want to win however you feel about that and whether or not you think a team should acknowledge where they are and 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 I think you know they made their intentions clear and I think um I don't think it's delusional. Like I do think as we've been discussing this, I still have the Jags as my favorite in the division, but mm-hmm. like the, there's a, there's a, a universe in which this does work out because the passing game under Tim Kelly looks better. We like this group of receivers. Um, you know, Tannehill's healthy, fully healthy for the season. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about the offensive line. Uh, this is the best defense <laughs> in the division. <laughs> it's a really good pass rush. They get key, they get key, you know uh, Harold Landry back. We didn't even mention and Key mm-hmm. and, and and all the, and the, some of the young DBs are healthy and they like, it's not crazy. And yeah, to not. cap it all off, as you said, they've got a really 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 good coach who's really really good at coaching against good football teams. So you know, shout out to the Titans for trying. <laughs> they didn't have to try. <laughs> That's 110% correct. Uh, and I'll, I'll throw this last stat out there. Uh, even though I know quarterback wins isn't uh, a stat <gasps> that we, we all believe in. You but, come on my but, podcast. All right. But I, all I'm saying is with Ryan Tannehill, the least amount of wins, I thought it was, I believe, the 2018 year where he missed like five games with like a, a bum shoulder. Um, the least amount of wins he's ever had is six. So that's his floor. His floor is six wins. <laughs> no matter what's around him, no matter – you mentioned the offensive line. I remember in 2013, he got sacked over 50 times. They won eight games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They won they finally win. The Dolphins finally win to win eight games. So. I do think wins are a coaching stat. And I, I – Yeah. It's funny. I said the defense drags teams to hell. That's how I feel about Vrabel. Like that dude – and we should yeah. have seen it coming because he was never going to accept a rebuild. <laughs> like – He's yeah, no, no way, no way. So He's too um, for that. he is he is scary. All right. Well, you got the tie on the top. I got the Jags on top. Very excited, however, to watch the two young quarterbacks as well. They're gonna make the preseason exciting. Everybody, you should to, to follow everything that's going on with CJ Stroud in particular. Check out DJ Bienemy on uh, Bienemy on Twitter. I said it, Eric Bienemy. I I put that in my head. <laughs> I was like, it's not pronounced like Eric Bienemy. And then of course, immediately I just said Eric. It's all, it's all good. Bien-Aimé. Bien-Aimé <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This was really fun. Thank you for having me. Um, I know a lot of my friends are going to be like, oh, my God, you want to meet a cotton show. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> Jags you know, fans, I, I find him on Twitter. Flame him. No, <laughs> I love those guys. All right. Talk to you soon. Wow.